Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Reclaim Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Elise, just a black girl out here trying to help everyone do better, including and especially starting with herself. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning back in. Or if you're new here, hi, hello, and welcome. Uh, Here we are. End of July 2021. Still inside. Still waiting for the global Pandora's box to um y'all still out here complaining about wearing masks I just saw so this was going to be in the wrap-up rant but I changed my mind I want to talk about it right now I just saw representatives of the United States so people who have been elected officials representatives losing their ever-loving mind over the fact that the CDC has now recommended that we put our masks back on even if you've been vaccinated. Why did they recommend that? Well, because first, not enough people were wearing masks because if you remember, a lot of people politicize masks because, you know, just like seatbelts and helmets, masks somehow have something to do with politics instead of safety. Get get out of here with that. Um, So they did that. They Someone, well, not someone, a b- bunch of people politicized this pandemic to say it was fake, it wasn't real. Um, even though there's very real people who are very really dying and very really having their lives altered forever, whether they lost a loved one, whether they are currently suffering still from long COVID, there's people who are never, ever the same. Um, and I have more information about that at the end of this show. Um, but yeah, yeah, we had that happen. And so alpha, the alpha version of the COVID situation has now become the delta <laughs> situation and um for everybody trying to be funny stop calling it the delta sigma theta uh variant um i take personal gripe with that as a member of delta sigma theta sorority incorporated um so y'all can go ahead and stop that you know the deltas wouldn't be out here killing people guys come on we might leave you breathless but we're not out here killing people um in all seriousness. So I watched representatives, people who were people who were well into their 50s and 60s and up lose their minds over the fact that the government has not recommended we put our masks back on because this virus has now replicated so much so that even people who are vaccinated could get this even stronger variant which we probably wouldn't have had if you know back last year when if everybody had worn their masks and stayed inside for that month or two and this thing could have died out this thing could have died out it would have no way to replicate because nobody would be passing it back and forth it would have no way to do that no no we're completely undisciplined and so here we are in year two well into year two Halfway, over halfway through of year two of this craziness. And I'm still inside. I had to, um, a friend and I were supposed to go to a movie screening. Um, and I, it was nice to be invited back to these things. And, you know, I was thinking like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. I'm so excited. Wait a minute. It's indoors. It's an indoor theater with people who I can't say who they've been around and who those people were around and I have a tiny back at home 
Not to mention a hubs back at home. Like a family. I don't know. How, yeah. It, this whole situation, it, we're all going to need therapy. <laughs> Everybody's going to need therapy. So why don't we all just go ahead right now <laughs> and get on into the therapist chairs. I think the therapists also need therapy because this is really unprecedented and none of us expected this to last as long as it, well, some people did and they're, they're, those people are smart, but for the rest of us, none of us, none of the rest of us expected this to last as long. Um, as you can tell, it's wearing on my spirit and my nerves at this point that I'm watching grown people who represent entire districts and counties go crazy because a doctor who has spent multiple doctors who have spent years and hundreds of thousands of dollars and hours and hours of their lives to become doctors, to become immunologists and, and, and scientists and things like that recommend that we put on a mask during a global respiratory pandemic, which makes sense. I just don't have patience for people anymore. I don't know if you could tell. I don't have the patience for people anymore. So that's where I'm at. Let's go into last week's recap. Last week's show <laughs> entitled The Upper Sky, which a bunch of you wrote to me about. Yes. I know. All right. He went to space. He's still not an astronaut. There's a big difference. You know, there's a big daggone difference between what Jeff Bezos did with his penis rocket and um, what, you know, a bunch of actual people who studied space and have trained their bodies and their minds to endure going act into actual space. No, what Jeff Bezos and what the guy who used to be the Virgin CEO or whatever whatever Branson whatever those people did it upper sky they went to the upper sky for a few minutes and then came back to earth um so we talked about that we talked about how that situation was actually problematic you can go listen to that sh that show and it's not what you think it has nothing to do with Jeff Bezos although he's plenty problematic it has nothing to do with Jeff Bezos this time this time this time we talked about the latest finding about the care of black patients which is you know something that a lot of us have already been saying we've been saying it for years. We've been saying it for decades. We've been saying it since y'all allowed us into hospitals because, yes, there was a time where black people couldn't go to white hospitals. Mm hmm. Right. Imagine that. <sighs> anyway, and why Megyn Kelly just got dragged, not just by Naomi Osaka, but by the whole culture. Um, yeah, it's between Megyn. Um, the only Megans we acknowledge are the Stallion and Markle. I'm sure there's another Megan in there that I should acknowledge, but the two that we really acknowledge are the Stallion and Markle. But you can go listen to last week's show. This week, um, it's a very heavy episode, not because of the topics that we're talking about, like the topics, you know, we're going to go into the church announcements and some of these are light and fun. Some of these are strange and odd, but we'll get to all that. It's a heavy show because there's so much to talk about. My God, y'all are busy out here. So let's get into it. Let's get straight into it. Let's get to the church announcements. Hit it, Earl. Let the people of the reclaim say amen. Glad to be here, say amen again, and say amen one more time if you really like the show. We're glad that y'all here today, and these will be your church announcements. All right, let's get into the church announcements. So I know we put him on the sick and shut-in list, but I need to bring Kanye West back up. Um, 
apparently he's living in the Mercedes Benz Center. People say that he's living there. He's go the allegedly going to events. Like apparently there was an event that he was invited to, um, and he received an award that was named after his mother um, from the university where she taught for two decades. Imagine. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be petty, but I feel like I'm safe. I feel like I'm amongst family. I feel like I'm amongst family with you guys. Imagine being the son of such an educated, prolific, intelligent woman and to say slavery was a choice. Like imagine, imagine that. Imagine playing to the deepest joy of people who hate people who look like you. People who would have sold you and treated you like chattel if they had the chance to. People who would put their boots on your neck, their knees on your neck if they had the chance to. But you make good beats, so. And that's the only thing that's really special about you to them, what you produce. Um, but imagine placating to those people instead of, you know, your own community. Anyway, back to Kanye. He's supposedly living in the Mercedes Benz center. Um, after he got this award, he showed up in this puffy thing, wearing like a stocking on his head, I guess, to play a bunch of music that was supposed to be for his album that people swore up and down was going to come out. And yeah, never did. Never came out. Um, so supposedly he's living there in a studio, like trying to work, trying to get this music out. Um, I'm very indifferent. I'm very indifferent the same way as I'm indifferent with, you know, a Chrisette Michelle, which we could talk about how she did a fraction of what one Kanye West did. And we've canceled people for doing way less than what can what Kanye West did. But then I remember that the people who are subscribing to Kanye West are not us. It's not the culture that he came from. It's not the culture that where he was saying things like, you know, as soon as you get on, he'll leave your ass for a white girl. Autobiograph autobiographical. <laughs> autobiographical. Um But yeah, y'all. Uh yeah, I'm, I feel really indifferent about anything Kanye West comes up with, mostly because he's not talking to me. He's not talking to my people. He's not talking to, you know, my culture. He's he he's made it clear who his audience is and who he wants to talk to. And he's never said anything to apologize about, you know, the things he said about Harriet Tubman, the things he said about slavery, the things he, you know, how he regularly downplayed black heroes and talked about talked up about white ones how he licked the boots of one of the worst if not the worst president that this country has ever seen things like that so i'm indifferent um lavar burton started his his tenure at at jeopardy i remember that he was uh this is one thing I did not care for. I did not like he was prom not promoting. He was trying to get this gig like really, really hard. Like he was trying really, really hard to get this, this situation. Um, and you know, part of me is like, yeah, go for what you want. Like absolutely chase what you want. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But then there's something like, yo, you're LeVar Burton. You were in roots. 
and reading Rainbow and so many other things. You are LeVar friggin' Burton. You don't have to beg for anything. You are phenomenal and amazing and incredible. And you have generations of people who have loved your work, have loved your acting, has have loved your contributions, have loved who you are. Excuse me one sec. Gotta rehydrate. <clears throat> so I didn't really care for that. But I'm very excited that he started um, on Jeopardy. I'm a little confused that, because he started on Jeopardy during the Olympics that a lot of us aren't watching. But a, a bunch of people are watching the Olympics. Um, I'll get to the Olympics later. But yeah, like, it just seems like a, a bad time to start. But I guess any time is a good time to start when you have a bunch of people who were living indoors so they'll be watching no matter what. Um, but congratulations, LeVar. Congratulations. Um, in not so fun news, I want to let you guys know that this platform, this podcast, this blog, this arena is inclusive. As inclusive as I can possibly be. Um, I, I don't like seeing people shut out. I don't like pe- seeing people locked out. I mean, unless you're hateful like hate filled bigots absolutely we are exclusive to like no we don't want them um but if you're a person who breathes (laughs) if you're a person who breathes and likes podcasts you know this might be your jam I don't like seeing people bully people and this next story is nothing but a bully it's we were rooting for the baby I remember I don't particularly care for his music it's not my cup of tea, but I have grown up and learned that just because it's not my, what, what is the saying? Don't yuck my yum. Like just because it's not my yum doesn't mean I have to yuck it. It's just not my yum. So I'm like, okay, fine. That's not my thing. That's not my jam. That's not my situation. Fine. Whatever. But the baby is out here trying to be Curtis Jackson 2.0. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar who that person is, that's 50 cent. Um, So a week or two ago, 50 um, reposted a post from DaBaby where DaBaby was going in and out about how he was so excited that he was um, working with 50 and that 50 imparted some wisdom to him, which (laughs) wisdom from Curtis Jackson. Are you sure? The same guy who made fun of a woman getting shot in the foot. Oh, wait, I see why you would like him because you put that same person who shot that woman who's supposed to supposed to be your friend who y'all did music with on a song, the person who shot her. Hmm. And at your latest super spreader event, also known as um, Rolling Loud, you after her set before the music even came, went off before her own music that you were on went off, you brought her shooter onto the stage to do whatever crappy song y'all made together. Hmm. He's just determined to not be liked because then at that same event, that same super spreader event, which shout out to Florida. Of course it's Florida. God. Um, he went on to, he went on to a homophobic rant, a wild homophobic rant saying, and I'm going to blur out as many words as possible because it's, It's gross. But basically, between songs, he said, 
If you didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, any one of them deadly sexually transmitted diseases that'll make you die in two or three weeks, put your cell phone light in the air. Ladies, if your blank smells like water, put your cell phone light in the air. Fellas, if you ain't suck a N words, D word (laughs) in the parking lot, put your cell phone light up in the air. Keep it effing real. What does, what, what you ever have, you ever hear something and you're like, where did this come? You have so many questions that they rush to your brain and you don't have time to ask them all because you're, you're starting to short circuit. That's the way a lot of us felt about this baby rant. So, sir, you took the time at your set at Rolling Loud, which I didn't think we were doing music festivals because, you know, we're still in the middle of the global panini, but all right. All right, sure. Why not? Um, gross. But then you took your time at that event to disparage so many people and then spread information that is just, just downright inaccurate. Like eight people live full and complete lives with HIV and AIDS. People no, you don't have to die from those things anymore. In fact, there are people who are born with AIDS. There are people who are born with AIDS, like, and they live lives. They live their lives. Like, yes, okay, it's impeded because of their their condition, but like, they still live. They're not gonna be taken out in two to three weeks. The hell? I mean, unlike COVID. <laughs> God dang it! I'm sorry. This show keeps coming back to that. I'm sorry, y'all. I really need this to end because, oh my God, like the way it's messing up my like thought process in life and how I'm fearful for all of my family and friends all the time. This is not good. But anyway, back to the baby. He takes this time to be so hateful to groups that I'm just going to come out and say, what is the fascination between straight black males and the LGBTQIA plus community? What is the fascination? Like, they'll just be out here just like, all right, I'm here. I'm queer. And everyone just loses their minds. Because after this rant, he went on a live and doubled down. And then he went on someone else's live recently and tripled down. And then a bunch of people came to his aid. One, T.I., for example. Now, T.I. has bigger fish to fry right now because he is embroiled in a alleged multi-level sex trafficking and rape uh situation uh like similar to an R. Kelly but all these girls were of age but still rape like don't you have other things you need to be worried about sir he went on T.I. went on this very very verbose because you know T.I. he read a thesaurus and now he thinks that he's the thesaurus he went on this entire rant talking about, well, if little Nas X just gets, I'm paraphrasing. If little Nas X gets to be gay, then why can't the baby be homophobic? That's not, you're comparing apples to, to rocket ships. That's not even the same thing. That's not even the same thing. The same thing would be if little Nas X gets to be gay, the baby gets to be heterosexual. You see how those two are the same? We're talking about sexuality. So if one person gets to be one way in their sexuality, another person gets to be another way in their sexuality. You see how those two 
actually equal something you can't say that would be akin to what ti said would be akin to if we get to be black maga gets to be anti-black no that's not <laughs> that's not how this works we're born this way we're born black <laughs> we're born black you're not born hating black people that's not how this works you can't say just because you get to just because someone else gets to be who they are who they were born as um doesn't mean people can't hate him that's in essence what ti was saying and people take anything that that man says is so deep and so profound and no one takes the time to dissect what the man is saying because he puts all these words in here that half of y'all are too busy to google or look up or figure out that hey what he's saying doesn't make sense y'all are taking it way too taking people who are in deep deep trouble the words that they say way too seriously and you need to sit down and think. Sit down and think about what these people are saying. Okay? The baby is out here trying to be the bully. He's trying to be out here. And it's it's not going to work out the way that he, he, he intends for it to work. Like, he thinks that he's making himself the bully. And that, you know, like, he has to charge into a yard and show that he's, like, the biggest, toughest dog. When... In the music world, in the music industry, in the entertainment space, you are optional. You are optional. Listening to your music is an option. I can listen to any other music. I can turn you off and forget that your music even exists. You can charge into this yard and act loud and proud and, and, and rough and tough all you want to. I can switch the channel and turn to something that I like. So be a bully if you want to. You're messing with the wrong, you're messing with the wrong people. Speaking of people who are messing with the wrong people, let's talk about Millie Bobby Brown. Now this happened a few weeks ago, but I never got a chance to cover it. For those who don't know who Millie Bobby Brown is, and we're dipping out of black culture and we're going into popular culture. Millie Bobby Brown is the main actress in Stranger Things. She was also in Godzilla and the Enola Holmes film um, where it's, Sherlock Holmes' younger sister, who is equally as brilliant, but just young and adorable, prancing around London and being tough and feminist and brilliant. It's a really cute movie. I liked it. Um, so, yeah, she's having a rough go um, with this situation with this TikToker, which someone said that TikTok fame is like the most useless fame. And I disagree um, I disagree. I see what they're saying. They're like, you know, it's not like a movie star famous. It's not like Instagram famous, which I also feel is kind of useless to social media fame is like a weird fame. Um, because like, if you're not on that platform, you don't know who these people are. But if you're on that platform, you've definitely seen these people. It's that sort of thing. Well, recently, um, one TikToker named Hunter Echo alleged uh, he was sharing alleged explicit details about his relationship with Millie Bobby Brown. Now, Hunter is 20 years old and he went on a IG live with some friends, looked like they were either drunk or high or I don't know what was going on, but nobody was in their right mind on this live. And they said terrible, terrible things about Millie. And so I'm going to be, um, 
my source right now is Teen Vogue. And this is a reminder that Millie, I believe she's 17 now, at the time of their quote alleged relationship, Millie would have been 16 years old. Hunter was 20 at the time. That's statutory. If, if what Hunter is alleging is true. That's wild. So he appeared to speak of an alleged sexual relationship. Um, He said he had with Millie when she was 16 and he was 20. Um, uh, Over the course of the live stream, he said he quote unquote groomed her after comments, after people were commenting, accusing him of doing so. And he said he was proud. He said that he was living with Millie for in her house for eight months. Um, After sharing explicit details, like very gross and explicit details, he said, everything I did was completely legal. Um, It was approved by everyone that I was with. Um, According to Complex, Hunter lives in California where the age of consent is 18. This is a reminder that Millie was 16. Uh, He also said that he's not sorry. He also said in the the live stream that he's not going to apologize. He said he has nothing to apologize for. And then his Instagram was deactivated, as was his TikTok. In a statement to, no, I'm sorry, before I get to that, he then recently, very recently, in a now deleted video before his TikTok was deactivated, he he profusely apologized. Um, He said it was, he shouldn't have said the things that he said, blah, 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 blah. All the stuff that, you know, a PR person would tell him to say. (sighs) In a statement sent to Teen Vogue, Millie's representatives called Hunter's claims to be dishonest and offensive, saying they plan to take action against Hunter, saying Mr. Mr. Hunter's remarks on social media are not only dishonest, but also irresponsible, offensive and hateful. Instead of engaging in public discourse with him through the press or social media, we are taking action to ensure that he stops his behavior once and for all. So for all you folks out there just lying on the internet, especially about folks that you may or may not have had um, relationships with, please take this as a cautionary tale. If what Hunter is saying is true, If what he is alleging is true, that's statutory rape and that man needs to go to jail. That's jail time. Jail time. Age of consent in the state that he's in is two years older than what Millie was at the time. Right? Right. Not to mention, even if she was of age, how disgusting, how disgusting to go online and brag about a sexual relationship that you allegedly had with a star who obviously is not interested in you anymore. Like how, like what kind of man, what kind of man does that? I mean, he's 20, you know, and young people do young things, but this was just straight stupid. You have an entire platform. And I've said on this show many times with a platform, with the authority that we get for our platforms comes a responsibility. I can't stand on my platform and tell you lies. I can't stand on my platform and tell and spread misinformation. I can't stand on my platform and lead people wrong. Like 
I have a responsibility towards you. Now, I say that as a 36-year-old woman. Hunter is 20 years old. And when you've grown up on internet fame and when all you've known is the internet, um, when all you've known is social media and that's how you build who you are and people believe in this lifestyle and people want to defend you and, and buy what you're buying and buy what you're selling and stuff like that, you start to believe stuff about yourself that's not true. So of course you would get drunk or high or whatever and go on a live stream and talk about a person that you probably shouldn't have in ways that you shouldn't have, alleging things that you shouldn't have. It's just, it's gross, it's disgusting, it's wild, it feels... It feels icky. Ugh. What is up with all these nasty men coming after young women, children? She was 16. She's a child. She's a child. You're a grown man. And you're going to have that brand on you forever. Forever. That you were freaking around with a 16-year-old. Mm-mm. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And he, here's the thing. Once you get to be like... In your 20s and 30s, like there's no, there's very little difference between a 24 and a 21. Well, that's not true. There, no one's going to fault a 28 year old for dating a 24 year old. No one's going to fault a 32 year old for dating a 36 year old. No one's going to fault a 36 year old for marrying a 40 year old. No one cares when you get to that point. But when you're a 20 year old person, adult, and you're trying to chase after high school children, we have a problem. There is a mental gap there that does not exist when you're when you get older. I don't even know why I'm de- why I'm e- even explaining this. Y'all know it's gross. Y'all know it's nasty. It feels nasty. That's nasty. Mo- moving along. Moving along. We were talking about nasty. <sighs> These people exhaust me. These particular people. So Fox News and I'm I'm my source is the Huffington Post. Fox News primetime personalities Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson were slammed on Tuesday for their coverage of the first day of the House Select Committee's hearing on the United States Capitol riot. So the Capitol riot um, hearings have started and they started their hearings with four officers who were there that day, four officers who experienced four different perspectives. Uh, one of the officers was was the young officer who was injured, grave like gravely injured, like almost lost his life injured. Um, the one we saw the videos with the people pushing and like how he like felt his bones break. Oh, so, oh, it was terrible. Um, another off officer, you know, experienced being pepper pepper sprayed and harassed and like was threatened to have his gun taken away from him and had it used, was going to have it used on him. Other officers were men of color who experienced, you know, being called the N word and being called traitors and never, they, they had never been treated like that before in their lives. The testimony was emotional and riveting and anyone with a pulse, a real human being with empathy and compassion would have seen these moments as traumatic to these officers who were doing their, just doing their job of defending the people who were certifying the election, which is in it's basic and sacred to our democracy, a sacred thing to our democracy 
that people who say that they love America attacked, attacked that day because their candidate lost. There's a lot of things I could say about that, but let's talk about Tucker, Tuckums and, and Laura. Um, Ingram responded to the herring testimony from officers who faced down the violent mob of the then president Donald Trump supporters on January 6th with a spoof of an award ceremony. The award ceremony that she had was like best actor, most riveting performance, like a bunch of that stuff. Despite the fact that these people were tra traumatized by what they experienced. Meanwhile, Carlson cast doubt on their claims and did his, what he, what he always does, sit up there, ask a bunch of questions that we could obviously answer with the easy Google search and smirk. Just, just mediocrity on TV, right? Ingram said the hearings were akin to performance art. Among the awards Ingram gave best performance in an action role, she gave to Metropolitan Police Officer Michael Fanon, Fanon, who during his testimony recalled he feared he would be shot with his own weapon. There was certainly a lot of violence that day, but it was not a terrorist attack, said Ingram. It wasn't 9-11. It wasn't the worst thing that ever happened to America. It wasn't an insurrection. That's what she said. Y'all, this is the moment on the cartoon where the cartoon character rubs their eyes and then opens their eyes a little bit wider. Doth my eyes deceive me? Doth our eyes deceive us? Did we not experience an actual insurrection? Did we not see a bunch of people storm the Capitol building during one of the most sacred moments of our democracy? The certifying of the election of a new president? Did we not see that? Did we not see them steal and ransack offices? Take poops, poops, poops all over the Capitol building? Were they not threatening the lives of not just Democrats, but also Republicans too? Because did someone set up a gallows outside for the former vice president? Did we not experience that? Did we not experience people charging into spaces? Um, people wearing tactical gear? Um, people getting harmed, people dying, that people died. And Laura Ingram, shut up and dribble, Laura Ingram with her, whatever she saw and whatever she said in her, wherever crazy town that she lives in said that this was not a terrorist attack. Are you kidding me? Carlson, meanwhile, responded with a smirk to footage of Fanon telling the hearing that he experienced post-traumatic stress disorder after the riot. This is what I'm talking about. The right can no longer call themselves like family. They can't quote family values. They can't bring up family values anymore because part of family values is having empathy. You can't look at a person who's been through what we saw on TV and some of us have PTSD from just watching it. You can't look at people who were actually physically there, physically harmed, physically abused by these monsters, monsters who, who paraded different flags of the enemies of the United States. 
swastikas and 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 confederate flags they were enemies of the united states who ransacked the building who threatened the lives of those representatives that we have duly sworn in as representatives of the people of this democracy you can't look at that you can't look at these officers who put their lives and bodies on the line for this democracy. People who, people who have post-traumatic stress disorder and smirk and call yourselves the people of family values. Because being in a family and having values means that you are empathetic. You have compassion. And these people have none. They're literally making fun of people who will suffer, unfortunately, the effects of this event for longer than they would want to. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. <sighs> Basically, Tucker ca kept calling it a political protest that got out of hand. I love this gaslighting thing that people are doing because here's what's going to happen. These hearings are going to continue. Subpoenas are going to be issued. People are going to have to come to accountability. And that is something that white supremacists have never seen before. Other white supremacists come to accountability. Come to accountability. It wasn't just, a, it wasn't just, let me say this correctly. This is a trial of white supremacy versus the United States of America, which is weird because the United States of America was built on white supremacy. But when blatant, violent, angry, hateful mobs of white supremacy attack even the foundations of what they built, now these folks are taking us seriously. Now these folks see how dangerous this was. I remember in 2015, people telling me at the end of 2015, after the election, people telling me, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, let's just give him a shot. Oh, let's just give him a chance. I remember my white friends telling me that. And I'm like, y'all don't understand. As black people, we have a sense. We have a radar. We have an understanding of how bad things can get. And I told them, I'm like, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. You think that there are stop guards and things that will prevent the spread of the type of hatred that this man, this Trump person has instilled, has woken up in this beast of these hateful people. You think that it's going to end because there'll be stop guards and safeties and things like that. They, everybody saw how bad it could be on January 6th. Everybody saw how bad it could be. The people who I talked about a few I talked about in the show a few weeks ago that some of the representatives who kept calling this a lovely it was just a lovely tour and there were people you wouldn't know that it was it was an insurrection because the people were walking between the stanchions and ropes. By the way, they're not supposed to walk between the stanchions and ropes if it was a tour because that is a that is an area designated for the representatives to walk. So that's BS. And come to find out those same people who were saying those things glowingly about um, these same people who were storming in ready to, to take their own lives to do harm against them were the same people who were boarding up the doors 
of chambers and then going to turn around and sit up on on board saying, oh, it was just a tour group. No, no, don't gaslight us. Don't gaslight us. We see you. We see you. We know what's going on. You guys are ridiculous. <sighs> I told you it was a lot going on. I told you it was a lot going on. Um. All right. Well, that's it for the church announcements. I think I've screamed to the ceiling enough. Let's get into the mess and the message. Okay, guys. So for this week's episode of the mess and the message, I wanted to share a recent uh, clip that I heard of one Dr. Ayla Stanford. For those who are unfamiliar, Ayla Stanford leads the Black Doctors COVID Consortium here in Philadelphia. She and many other doctors involved have been extremely instrumental in providing information, providing testing, and providing vaccines for people here in the city of Philadelphia, black people here in the city of Philadelphia. Why that's important? Well, naturally, black people are very cautious of any medical interventions provided by the United States. The difference between a white anti-vaxxer and a black anti-vaxxer is that a black anti-vaxxer usually has usually has history to back up their their concerns, their worries, and their claims. We think about J. Marion Sims butchering babies, butchering little black girls to quote unquote further um op- to further his study of the female genitalia. We think about that. We think about the Tuskegee experiment. We think about how just like 10 years ago, California, the state of California ended its practices of uh, surgically sterilizing black and brown inmates in their prisons. They just ended that practice of taking their wombs. They thought they were coming in for routine surgeries for removal of fibroids for whatever you know just and their whole uteruses were being removed forcing them to be sterilized so and there's so many more stories like that where typically a white anti-vaxxer read something on the internet which was wild not to say the black anti-vaxxers don't also read weird stuff on the internet which why y'all come on can we talk about this can we talk about y'all not listening to doctors who has spent years of their lives, immunologists who spent years of their lives and so much money, (laughs) so, so much money um, to become doctors so they could come back to their communities to serve them. But you want to listen to Joe Blow on the internet who can't spell necessary correctly without spell check. Like, make it make sense. Make it make sense. Like, seriously. Like, some of y'all are thinking way too deeply about this. But at the same time, I understand the hesitancy for folks who look at anything from the government with with an eyebrow raised. I totally understand that. But I want you to take the time, particularly my black listeners, to listen to Dr. Ayla Stanford, um, listen to her recommendations, and I hope that they help you in your decision if you have not been vaccinated um, to get vaccinated. Like, guys, it's free. Like, and it's a global pandemic and it's 
the least you could, if you can do it, because I know some people who can't, they have anaphylaxis. There's a lot of different reasons why they can't. If you are physically able to do it, there's a lot of reasons why you should. So without further ado, here's Dr. Ayla Stanford. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you, Pastor Waller. In my time with you this morning, I wanna to talk to you about where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. Okay. 15 months ago, in this parking lot, on April 20th, 2020, cars were lined all the way down this street. 500, 600 cars of people. And we tested them. People came in cars, they came on foot. And when we got to the cars, so many people were so sick, they couldn't even stand up to get the test. There were people, when we called them back, they were in the hospital to give them their results. And some people did not survive. One in four people in this parking lot had coronavirus. There was no place for you to get a COVID test. The doctor's offices were closed, but you needed a referral. You went to the emergency room and they turned you away. How do I know? Because all of you all and your friends of friends were calling me saying, I can't get a test. So then I spent all my days calling to get you in to get a test. And every one that I called for had coronavirus because all of the testing sites were in affluent white neighborhoods. That's not my opinion, that's fact. So when this happened, there was no prevention, there was no cure, there was only testing and contact tracing, and we didn't have it. We were the ones who were contracting it. We were the ones who were dying at a greater rate, and that's when I decided we had to form the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium. It was for us, by us. And even then and now, the children who have died the most have been black and brown. The elderly have been black and brown. Even the doctors and nurses in the hospital and healthcare people and who just work in the hospital who perished were predominantly us at greater rates. So I set out to change that. And now we've had an opportunity to look at the data and it wasn't just what people said, oh, they had chronic medical conditions or they were poor and black. No, it was rich and black, poor and black with insurance. The common theme and thread was that you were black. And now when you look at all the data, the variable that most predicts your outcome is the chronic exposure to racial discrimination. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's even with all of the adjuncts. So let's fast forward 15 months. We're here now. No one needs to contract COVID, be hospitalized or die because the vaccine reduces COVID disease, the severity of disease, hospitalizations and death. But since last month, the cases have increased 251%. That's not even a number, 251%. Now a thousand people an hour are being diagnosed with coronavirus. But you wouldn't know that, everybody's getting on planes, they're going everywhere, you walk in the mall, nobody's wearing a mask. 40,000 people are diagnosed a day in the United States. 
97% of the people with COVID in the hospital right now are not vaccinated. 99%, that's almost 100% of the people right now who have died were not vaccinated. See, that's a difference than July 2020. And 83% of the cases right now are the Delta variant. And for those of you who don't know, that's a different one from the original one. It is a thousand times more contagious, a thousand times more contagious. So it doesn't take much. Soon, all of the cases will be this Delta variant. So let's talk about why people aren't getting it. Well, I'm young, I'm healthy, my immune system is strong. I don't get sick. I take my supplements, I take my vitamins, and that's great, and you should. But that's not gonna prevent you from contracting coronavirus. It doesn't predict if you'll have a good outcome or a bad outcome. And we talk about hospitalizations and death, but there's a lot of people who survive that are not the same, that will never be the same, who can't breathe when they walk, who have headaches all the time, who have chest pain when they take a breath. They're miserable. Number two, I've had COVID. I'm protected. I got antibodies. You do. Some of you do. But not everybody who had COVID has protective antibodies. And let's go a little deeper. Having had COVID with antibodies is like getting one shot. Most of us who had Pfizer or Moderna got two shots. Or Johnson & Johnson is one, but conveys the same protection. So that means, yes, you had it. Maybe you have measurable antibodies, but you only got one. It's not a full protection. Additionally, when you measure it, we don't know how well they work. It's like a person who has legs, but they're paralyzed and they don't work. You see the legs, they should move, but they don't. That's what we know about the antibodies we measure. We don't know how they work. Are they really protective? Number three, this is to annihilate the black race. This vaccine is to kill us off. That's why we shouldn't take it. Well, let me tell you what is killing us. The violence in Philadelphia, okay? These, these shootings every day. Last week, a child died every day last week. You know what else? The drugs. And you can call it the opioid epidemic. Okay, but it's really weed laced with what? It's Percocet mixed with fentanyl. It's Adderall that someone sniffed up their nose. It's cocaine. It's drugs, whatever. It all went up. And then you add COVID on top of that? That's three pandemics, epidemics that are wiping us out. So when you want to talk about annihilation, it's not the vaccine, it's the disease. All right, all right, all right. Number four, children don't need to be vaccinated. They don't need to wear a mask in school. My kids can't breathe when you put that mask on my child. I'm a parent, I'm not getting vaccinated, so my child's not gonna get vaccinated. Our children right now are sick. They are dying because of us. The children are getting sick from unvaccinated adults. That is fact. And as I told you before, greater than 50% of the children who died look like you and me. 
So come on, can we do it for our children? Okay, number five, I need more time. I need some more information. Nobody knows what the long-term side effects of this. So I can tell you this, the extreme adverse events happen within two months of you receiving the vaccine. I am at eight months, so I got it before all of y'all, and I'm still standing. And if and when the booster comes, I'm gonna get it before all of y'all. So you all can look at me and see how I'm making out. If I don't do so good, you might choose not to take it. But the way things are going right now, if and when it happens, I will receive it. Again, we are in the fourth surge. The fourth surge. The numbers right now are as bad as January. Y'all remember all the people that had money enough to travel and said, you know what, it's not going to get me, and then came back from wherever they were and spread it some more? That's what the numbers are like right now. If I get vaccinated, I can't have children. I'm going to be infertile. That's no, not true. It's no evidence. I'm not even going into that. If enough people get vaccinated, I won't have to because we'll reach herd immunity. Right now in Philadelphia, 73% of people have had one dose, but 58% are fully vaccinated. You know what that means? It's 42% out there who are not. And that Delta variant is replicating and spreading. And every time it replicates, it mutates, it becomes more difficult to attack and treat, which means the vaccine I got ain't gonna protect me after a while because the vaccine is getting the virus is getting stronger and stronger and soon it's not going to be delta it's going to be lambda and our vaccine ain't going to do nothing okay so those of you who have been vaccinated you might want to talk to a friend that hasn't and tell them yes it's your choice yes i respect your choice but your choice is impacting my life and my children's lives and i need you to think again i need you to look in the mirror no, you can't get COVID from the shot. And my faith will protect me, as will God, so I don't need to get vaccinated. So I'm going to come back to that. That's where we were, where we are, and where we're going. And this is a to-do list. Talk to your friends. You know who they are that's not vaccinated. You know who they are. At this point, you know. It's an act of love, honestly. When they want to come to your house, when they need you to give them a ride, tell them, look, babe, I love you, but I can't do it. I can't do it because my grandma, she got vaccinated, but her immune response isn't as strong. I got to protect her. My mom, she had cancer. She's on chemotherapy. Her antibodies don't work as well. My child, she got lupus. She got to take steroids. She can't mount an immune response like you can. My father just got a transplant. He has to take all these medications that prevent him from mounting an immune response. And finally, my children, my 11-year-old twins are too young. And every time an unvaccinated adult comes near them, that increases their chance that they could get sick and not, maybe they don't die, maybe they are healthy, but maybe now my child needs oxygen. Maybe now my child can't run like he used to run because he's short of breath. People getting fired from their jobs. Make sure if you say you don't want this vaccine, it's a real reason.
don't be losing your job, your livelihood. How are you going to support your family? Because you believe in it. Come on. Seriously, make sure you got your facts straight. I'm telling you what the facts are, okay? Don't believe no conspiracy nothing on the internet from somebody who might have graduated from high school, okay? I can tell you that I was in school for 18 years to be board certified to take care of adults and children. And I'm from here, okay? I wouldn't put nothing in my body and give it to my child and come here and tell you if I didn't care about you and want you to save and protect your life. When you go in certain spaces and you don't know if people been vaccinated or not, keep your mask on, protect yourself. You running around the mall, you know certain people ain't been, you know they ain't been vaccinated. Get some cuter masks, make it match your outfit, put it on. It's not gonna hurt you when you get in the parking lot, take it off, get in your car. Protect yourself y'all, cause it's coming in the fall. The numbers are going up. And yes, we may reach people one at a time here and there. The cases are going up. We've read this book, we've watched this movie, we know how it ends. It's exactly what happened eight months ago. We know. So, this was not my plan. This was no one's plan for us to have a pandemic. I was enjoying my life with my husband, as a surgeon, with our kids, happy for the investment I had made in my life and living off my laurels. And then this happened and I couldn't watch one more black brown life be lost when I knew there was something I could do about it. So when we talk about our faith, we talk about divine intervention and a plan God has for us, this must have been his plan for me. Because I did not expect nor anticipate that everything I thought I worked for in my life would lead me to be doing this right now. But I am following his path. And every time I make a plan, <laughs> he changes it. Every time. So now I'm just going with it. I'm just praying on it. God order my steps. And that was Dr. Ayla Stanford of the Black Doctors COVID Consortium. Um, I hope that you take the information. I hope you share this with your family, your friends. Feel free, feel free to share it. Um, but yes, that was her recent remarks at a at one of our church services here in Philadelphia. So yeah, let's get on with the rest of the show. And yeah, let's go there. So instead of our normal format where we, I would talk about my wrap up rant and blacks in the deep end, I want to take the opportunity to smash both those segments together and talk about one topic. And that is Simone Biles. For those who are unfamiliar with who Simone Biles is, Simone Biles is one of the most dominant sports figures in history, hands down. Simone Biles hasn't won anything less than gold since 2013 in every competition that she's been in since 2013. Simone Biles is a gymnast, 
Simone Biles is a compassionate leader. Simone Biles is so dominant that she has moves in gymnastics named after her. So dominant that she has points revoked from her because she challenges herself to do such difficult moves that the rationale of the judges is that if they award her for the for the moves that she makes, if if they award her for those moves that she makes, then other gymnasts who may not be able to try it will try it and probably get hurt, which is unreal because who gets penalized for doing what other people can't in sports? That's just typically called an advantage. Nobody penalizes Michael Phelps for swimming like a fish, right? For being tall, for being um, aerodynamic in the water, for having long arms and long flipper-like feet. Nobody, shout out to Michael Phelps, nobody penalizes him for that. In fact, that's simply called an advantage. But yet here we are, this black girl in gymnastics who was able to make her body do amazing, interesting, and and dynamic things is getting penalized because the other girls won't be able to do that. Well, it sounds like the other girls need to step their game up. Anyway, I digress. Simone Biles recently left Olympics competition after she made a mistake on the vault, which is one of her best events, one of her best events. Anyone who knows anything about gymnastics would know that even the slightest mistake could get someone really hurt. So the fact that she landed and that she was not harmed, was not hurt, was not injured, was, was miraculous. Um, it's interesting because the initial reports say that she actually was injured when she landed poorly on the vault, when she made her mistake. Um, but she says that she was not injured. She actually says that she she cited her own mental health. She said she was not there. She was not mentally ready. She was not mentally prepared for what was going on. And that is scary when you're throwing your body into the air in a sport where a fraction of a millimove will get you hurt. Like hurt, hurt. So... She left competition altogether. She left team competition one day and she left um, individual competition the following day, citing her own mental health. She said she just was not there. She just was not ready. Um, and her team went on to win silver, which, okay, that's still a medal. And that's second place. And second place is not bad, guys. It's not a bad thing. Um, But it's, it's a frustrating place to be watching the responses to Simone Biles leaving competition because of her mental health. This is very reminiscent of a sudden certain other person who left competition for her mental health and she wasn't leaving the competition per se because she could have been injured. She didn't want to talk to press because I mean, we could look at the Shikari Richardson situation and see why Naomi, and I'm talking about Naomi Osaka, by the way, Naomi Osaka, why we could talk about why she left um, the various opens uh, for tennis and why she didn't compete for a handful of them. 
She said, oh, you're going to try to penalize me for not talking to the press because I'm having a bad day and I'm sitting here and I'll pay the fines and y'all want to bulk up and say, oh, 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 if you don't do this, we won't, we will we'll penalize you. She said, I am the draw on this damn sport. I am one of the draws on this sport. I am one of the people who get the attention on this sport. So if you want to penalize me, I don't have to play. There go your ratings. There they go. She didn't say that. She was way more gracious, of course. But it's interesting to watch how black women are punished because we stop being the workhorse and we start reminding people that we are human being. It's interesting how people say, well, she could have, this could have happened at any point. Why did this have to happen at the Olympics? It's usually at the moments of the most stress. It's usually at the moments of the, that the most stuff is on the line, that your mental health starts to erode. It's never when everything's going right and things are coming up roses and things like that. It's usually in the moments where, the, where it's stressful. That's why like mental health awareness is a thing, right? <sighs> Anyway, she's received tons of hate, including from one Charlie Kirk, which I was like, who, who is this person that y'all keep sharing this video of this white boy with his baseball cap who has to feed his ravenous, hateful Trump uh, loving audience, black people who are greater at anything that he, than he will ever, ever be in life. I don't care about that little boy. I just... I don't even know why we keep sharing the video. Like, let him drop back off into obscurity. Like that Megyn Kelly girl and that Laura Ingram person and that, and Tuckums. Let them all drop into obscurity. Let's stop. Let's stop. And I say this as a person who knows that next week they're going to do something even worse. And I'm going to have to talk about it. I'm going to be frustrated. But I just want to let you guys know that this is a Simone Biles stan account. This is a Naomi Osaka stan account. This is a stand account for all people, but especially black women who choose their mental health over the stringent demands of the world. For everyone who is calling Simone Biles un-American for stepping down, citing her own mental health, this is a reminder that people like Simone and Naomi and Serena and Beyonce and Meghan Markle and Michelle Obama are all human beings before they were your sports star or celebrity or heroic figure or entertainment. Black women have long been treated as the workhorse of the culture. We don't get to be emotional. We don't get to have bad days. We don't get to have off moments. We are supposed to entertain. We are supposed to excel. We're supposed to play the sport. We're supposed to walk the runway. We're supposed to work and work and work and work until someone younger and more entertaining comes along to replace us. But we are human too, just like you and deserve respect and dignity, not for just what we contribute, but for who we are. I wrote a piece on Medium about this whole situation, and I'll provide the link um, to that piece if, you would, if you're interested in reading it, where I talk about the historic implications of why so many white Americans in particular, white Americans in particular, want to lash out at people like Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles when they choose themselves over entertaining others and how 
this plays into historic things. And I know somebody's throwing their hands up in the air like, well, how you can't you can't take that and point back to slavery. Actually, yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. There is a direct thread from from the moment we were brought here and viewed as not human, viewed as chattel, viewed as something, something that should provide sustenance or labor or enjoyment or entertainment as opposed to a human being, as opposed to a person who should be met with empathy and compassion and kindness in their, in their low moment, which is unfortunately something a lot of supremacists are unable to do. They look at these moments, they look at these, these, these people who are strong and brave enough to open up about their struggles. And rather than saying, you know what, I get it. I'm a person too. I totally understand that. And if you need your time, you need your time. Rather than doing that, they call them quitters. They call them un-American. They call them all kinds of names. They, people who have never, people who complain about wearing a wet mask to Wegmans want to talk about the emotional grit of a Simone Biles who performed on, with broken bones in her body, who performed after sec, being sexually assaulted by a monster for years, who, who performed um, dealing with all of that. And maybe 2020 was just a lot for all of us. Maybe this last year has been a lot. Maybe the training that she's going through, whatever. She has her reasons. She, and guess what? She don't have to justify it for nobody. Just like Naomi. They don't have to justify, none of these people have to justify why they need their break why they need their space, why they need their time. None of these people owe us an explanation for their mental health. The same way we wouldn't demand a cancer patient to tell us all about their, what's going on in their bodies. It's the same way we can't demand people who are going through mental health crisis to tell us all about what's going on with them. They choose to tell us and that is their choice, but we can't demand it. Nor can we demand them to push through, to entertain us. Forget your entertainment. Forget these Olympics. Their health matters more. And I know that's a novel com um, situation, a novel belief for people who only ever believe that your work provides your, your worth. And we got to get out of that, y'all. Yes, people should work. Absolutely. And I believe there is a humanizing component to work and I personally am a big advocate of work and I love to work at the same time I am not forgoing any of my health emotional mental spiritual physical for my work I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it I said it on a um on a a twitter post a twit a tweet that's what they're called <laughs> a tweet I said a twit <laughs> I'm a twit when I act like this, I said it on a, on a tweet that black people will know black women in particular will, will no longer be setting ourselves on fire to keep you warm or entertained or comfortable. We're not going to do it. We're not going to suffer. You know, grandmama and them were journaling and our mothers, they chose to volunteer and that helped. We in our generation, we stand up and say, you know what? Therapy, therapy and days off. And time for myself, time to heal. 
And that's how we're doing it. And anyone, first of all, no one can talk to me. If you don't have a move named after you in gymnastics, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. If you don't, if you've complained about wearing a mask this time uh, across this pandemic, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me about a grit, the grit of Simone Biles, okay? Don't talk to me about how she can't take it when none of you will even wash your hands or socially distance or stay in the house. Like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Mm-mm. Y'all complain when, you're, when your Arby's is, is, is running a little late. Um, don't talk to me about the grit of Simone Biles, okay? Um, and you know what? That's our show. Shout out to Simone Biles. She's our Blacks in the Deep End. Um, oh, so our business of the week. It is both black and not black owned. It is co-black owned. Um, it's the South Street Art Mart. So here in Philadelphia, there are some beautiful stores. I talked about Marsha Maine. I love Marsha Maine. That you can also order things online from Marsha Maine. Um, but across the street from Martian Maine, which is literally like the black Sephora. I love, love that store. Another store I absolutely love is the South Street Art Mart. They have some of the coolest, most unique pieces. Um, I've gotten tons of buttons and pins for my jacket and backpack. I've gotten, golly, I'm trying to think of all the stuff that I got from the Art Mart. I just bought Emmy, this really cool, um, onesie with their logo on it and it's so it's such a cute logo like you guys gotta see it but this week's business is the south street art mart they also have a website um i will include that in the description uh you guys go ahead on over and support the best part about the art mart other than the fact that it's run by the nicoles who are wonderful terrific human beings and they're so cute together hi the nicoles the nicoles um they support local artists, local artists in Philadelphia. Um, so not these big companies that steal people's designs. No, these are actual artists who actually make their wares. And, you know, you want to support people. So when you support um, small businesses, particularly this one, you're supporting even smaller businesses and and artists and artistry and all that stuff like that. So make sure you head on over to the South Street Art Mart. I'm trying to tell you. It'll bless your life. I'll have their link in the description box. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your subscribes. Don't forget that you can keep the show independent when you make your way on over to Patreon. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Whitney Elise. I have just put up some more content. Um, I am keeping the exclusive content going for the patrons. I have added a new tier for those who have requested it um so there's now five different tiers five different ways you can support this show this blog this person okay um and other than that thank you guys so much for listening and as always please be safe please wear your mask and peace y'all